excited to be here with you this morning. For those of you joining us online, thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship with you and to speak the Word of God into your life. Are you guys ready for the Word of God today? Amen. So if that's you, go ahead and say this with us. I have ears to hear. I have eyes to perceive. And I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living Word of God. Now, come on now, give God a praise. So today we are starting upon a new series, a brand new series. I don't know about you, but this last series really blessed me. Um, every series blesses me. I, I just want you to know that my commitment to you is that I will not study the word simply to teach you. That's important because my commitment is to have a thriving relationship personally with God. What good is it if all I do is feed you but not feed myself? Right? Anyway, that was free. But today, we're starting on a brand new series entitled True Lies. And I want you to think about this title, True Lies, because it makes absolutely no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. When it comes to truth and lies, they don't mix. There's no such thing as a lie that is true. And there's no such thing as truth that is a lie, unless you live in the middle. Now listen to what I'm saying. It's that gray area of life where you mix some of the truth with some lies, right? And where lies become your truth and where the truth becomes a lie. Now I want you to dig into this with me a little bit because I think that we all understand this because I guarantee you this. No matter where you are in your walk with God or if this is something entirely brand new, you've never heard of Jesus. We all know what it is to believe a lie that contradicts the truth of God's word and to live by it. And that's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to be in in life because it'll lead us to a place of deception, an illusion. And so as we begin this series today, I'd like to talk to you personally. And while I'm speaking to many of you that are here in this room and online, I want to encourage you to zone in and to consider this a personal conversation between you and God as you hear his word. That's important because God is speaking to each and every one of us. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so the reason why I'd like you to do so, to, to take it this personal today, is because this message is directed to the core of who you are and what you believe about your identity. And today I'd like to talk to you on the topic, I am. I am. Listen, everyone can identify with these words because every one of us tells ourselves who we believe we are. We do. And if, you, if, if you're not that attuned to what you believe about who you are, just look at your actions and look at your results, and they'll indicate what you believe, what you see about yourself, how you value the precious gift that you are from God to this world. And so we must be careful as to who we believe we are, because if not, what we'll end up doing is mixing who we are with what we do and what it does for us. 
I'm, I'm not going to dig into that because I really, I, I could preach a whole other sermon on that one. But the Bible has a lot to say about who you are as a child of God. For example, some very common portions of scripture, but they're so powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says this, from now on. Now that's an important statement right there because what it does is it excludes where you were and tells you from this point forward. So from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, we see nothing according to the physical eye, including ourselves. I'll show you that in a second. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So think about this. The scriptures declare that you are an entirely new creation. Listen to what the scripture says. Everything that is new, everything that God has done, has already come to pass in you. It's already come to pass. Now, I know what some of us are thinking. How come I don't see it? How come I don't feel it? How come nothing's changing? Let me ask you a question. Do you see yourself as a new creation? But more importantly, do you believe that all things are new for you? Let me, let me, let me drive that question home a little bit deeper. Is this your truth? I'll tell you how you know if it's, it isn't your truth. You internally wrestle with the impacts of who you were before Christ. And you struggle to accept all that the scriptures declare about your new identity in Christ. Oh, come on, pastor. I'm just saying. I'm just remembering. I'm just saying that's where God brought me from. Can I, can I encourage you with something? What does it matter where you were in light of who God says you are now? Well, anyway, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. The scriptures declare that you are chosen by God, that you are his royal priesthood. Now get this, you did not choose God, he chose you. Jesus says that in John 15. He chose you. He chose the entire world. You know what the problem is? Many are called, but few know that they are chosen. You got to choose being chosen. You got to accept that, right? So you're chosen by God, you're his royal priesthood. You know what the scripture's saying there? that you are qualified to minister to him in worship in the function of the priest. The priesthood were the ones that came before God, that came as cleansed and holy. They went through all these rituals back in those days. Thank God that you don't have to do that, that I don't have to do that. And Jesus did that. And so God says you're a royal priesthood. You have complete access into the, into, into the most uh, holy of holies before God. 
You have the doors wide open. And the scriptures say that you are a part of a holy nation. You know what the scriptures saying that, that you are part of a people that are without sin. Now, I know for some of us that messes with us because we still judge ourselves based upon the things we do. But if what you do still qualifies you as a sinner, then what Jesus did isn't enough. Ouch. If you still see yourself as a sinner, stick around for this series because we're going to talk about that week three. We're going to talk about that. Listen, if you still see yourself as a sinner, then what you are saying is the blood of Jesus was insufficient to cleanse you and declare what God says about you, that you are holy. You got to go to the scriptures on that one. So do you see yourself as chosen, as holy, as God's possession? And is this your truth? Here's how you know if this isn't your truth. When you fall short, you struggle with guilt. You struggle with condemnation. You wrestle with feelings of inadequacy and you believe that you must run from God because you're not good enough to go before God instead of running to God. Because and here's what it is. You don't see yourself as his prized possession. You wallow and you simmer in shame. But God says you're holy. See, when we deviate from righteousness... It's not that we're not righteous. It's just that we're acting according to a belief system that is inconsistent with the truth. You're going to have to go back and listen to this one. There's a lot of meat in that. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Everybody rejoices about that one. Most believers, oh yes, I've been crucified with Christ. But do you accept the next sentence right after that? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The scriptures declare that you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Question, do you see see what you call your life as his life? Do you see life through his life? Is this your truth? I'll tell you how you'll know if it isn't your truth. You're still caught up in living my life, my life, my life, my life in the sunshine. (laughs) That was completely off key, but who cares? (laughs) I'm not part of the worship team. I'm all right with that. Instead of discovering where Christ's life can take you, your priorities revolve around your needs. Instead of your need to build and advance God's kingdom objectives. You consult your wants and your desires and aspirations before you consider God's word and wait upon his direction. Listen, you confuse your thoughts for his word. You ever been there? Oh man, this seems like a godly thought. Why? Because it feels good to you? That excludes God completely. Listen, the importance that you place on what God declares about you should not be placed upon what you know, but upon what you believe. 
See, there's many believers today that focus upon knowing, 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 knowing the Bible. Praise God. You're growing and knowing the Bible. But how is knowing what the Word says impacting what you believe? Completely different story, right? It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to believe it. See, believers believe the Word. Anyway, that was good. It got real quiet online all of a sudden. Not you guys here, but online. Listen, and so if you do not believe what God's word declares, what God declares about you, you will always respond by what you believe you are not. And you will always respond by what you believe you cannot do. So, in essence, what we do is this. When we don't understand our identity, when we don't know the truth and believe what the scriptures declare about who we are in Christ, what we do is we begin to empower lies that bring us far short of the truth and we begin to mix lies with truth. And we adopt a distorted view about who we really are in Christ and in life. So you see, it's, it's extremely important that we become acquainted with our true identity, which is in Christ, so that we can live in the freedom that it affords us, that this truth affords us. Now today I am not going to go into a whole bunch of scripture about who you are in Christ. I want you to grow up. I don't mean anything wrong with that. I want you to go to the scriptures and start looking at the scriptures for yourself. You need some help in finding where those scriptures are? Do you know Google that Google can be helpful? Just type in, in Christ scriptures. Go to your word. Look at the back. at your index. At, at the, uh, whatever you call the back of the, the concordance. Thank you. Look at the back of that. And just look at the words in Christ and begin to see who you are in Christ. That's important because you no longer live. But who you are in Christ does. Amen? And so the Bible records a moment in the life of a guy named uh, Moses when God revealed himself to him. And God was attempting to take Moses to a place where he would fulfill his destiny, his purpose, his calling. Moses was called to be a deliverer. From birth, Moses was set apart by God. You might say, well, that's Moses. No, that's you too. We're going to see that in the scriptures in a second. But Moses was set apart by God to bring about a great deliverance unto the people of Israel. He was a vessel for God's use. But the thing is that in order for Moses to get there, God had to first deal with who he thought he was. And so in this crucial and life-defining moment that we're about to read, when God declared to Moses who he was and what he could do, what we see is that Moses refuted Everything that God declared. Everything that God declared. I want us to see how this turned out. Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning yet it was not consumed. 
And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not being burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called, out, called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel bring bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, "But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain." Then Moses said to God, "If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them?" And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say, to th say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and, th and thus I am to be remembered throughout all the generations. So what we see here is that God had a great plan to deliver the people of Israel out of their bondage. A bondage that encompassed over 400 years of enslavement under the rule of Egypt. But in order to bring this about, God first had to bring about a great deliverance into the life of the one whom he would use. Now I'm going to tell you why that's important. Because you can't offer any freedom and any truth to anyone else if it's not yours first. Can't do it. Can't do it. And so, get this, upon hearing God's master plan, we see that instead of responding with enthusiasm, with acceptance and belief, we see that Moses responded from a place of inadequacy, of insecurity, and even disbelief in God. If you check out Exodus 4, you'll see that Moses goes on to further explain his case why he was not good enough. He says, I have never been eloquent with words. He says, I'm slow of speech. Translation, I stutter. And then he finally says to God, send someone else. Now I'm sure that if God showed up and engaged you in such a magnificent fashion that you believe that you would respond with a resounding yes. Yes, send me God, I'm ready. But I want, I want, to, I want to ask you to join me in putting yourself in Moses' shoes. 
or in his sandals, should I say. And I want you to consider this. Why did Moses respond with a resounding no? Why? See, I submit to you that it was because Moses was so acquainted with who he thought he was that he could not conceive nor accept in his mind who God said he was. Now Moses went on to eventually exert a great deliverance unto the people of Israel. But none of this was possible until Moses overcame the lies that he had accepted as the truth concerning himself. Now I want you to just consider this question. What do you believe about yourself? Does it build you or break you? Does it help you or hurt you? Does it lift you or knock you down? Listen, the truth always sets you free. And so if you're down and out in light of what you believe about yourself, then I submit to you that you are believing a lie. You are not listening to God the Father. You are listening to the Father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. And so what can we learn from the experience in Moses' life? I just want to leave you with three things today. And the first thing that I want to give you is that your identity is not the result of your experiences. Your identity is not the result of your experiences. Listen, I get it. It's a common train of thought, a belief system, that who we are is a result of our experiences. It kind of sounds like this. I wouldn't be who I am had I not gone through what I went through. I am who I am because of all the people in my life. Who I am is the result of what God allowed me to go through. Now, in reality, these are false beliefs. And I'm going to point you to the word on that. Because what we're really saying is, who I am is a result of what people modeled for me. What we're really saying is, who I am is a result of how I felt after my experiences. What we're really saying is, who I am is a result of what people did to me, and let's be honest, what I did to myself. See, God did not make the choice for the people who chose to raise and impact you in a manner that, of life that's inconsistent with his word and his nature. God did not orchestrate the dysfunction in your home while growing up. God did not make the choices for the people that chose to hurt you and to harm you. God did not impose the experiences upon you that still weigh as burdens in your life. And God is not responsible for how you've learned to respond and what you believe as a result of what you went through. That's not God. God did not do that. So let's consider the word. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16 says this. For you created my in most being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully, intricately is what it's talking about there. A, a, a unique, one-of-a-kind work. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. 
all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Stop, pastor. But you just said that God had nothing to do with everything I've been through. But that's part of my story. Isn't that what God wrote in the book before I ever came to be? Listen, the scripture says that God created you wonderfully, wonderfully and intricately. You are marvelous and, com and a complete work fashioned in his hands. And it says that he has ordained your life. But which life is he talking about? Which life? Is it the old one? Full of disappointments? According to a sinful nature? Listen to scripture because we need to let scripture interpret scripture. I'm not giving you my opinion here. Jeremiah 29 11. Everybody loves Jeremiah 29 11. Oh, that's my go to scripture. Listen to the truth in it. For I know the plans I have for you. Watch this, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, this is where some people will take Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and says, yeah, but God works out all things for the good to those that love him and are called according to his purposes. So God had a plan for this cancer. So why would Jesus take stripes upon his back for your healing? So that you can go through cancer? Come on now. Let's consider the truth. Because it is about time that we stop accepting lies. Listen. The plans that God determined for your life were never to harm you. God does not harm you to help you. That's not his way of doing things. His good plans are to prosper you and give you hope for what's ahead. Now, if you disagree... Tell me, how is your hurt leading you to hope? How is it building hope in you, your hurt? How? How is it painting a picture for a good future for your life? How? How, how is it that if God's intention is to heal you, why would he hurt you to heal you? If healing is his will, and it is, according to scripture, his will is that you prosper and that you be in health in all things. So if that's God's will, how is it that God's going to take you into sickness, into hurt, into prison, into, uh, into demise, into uh, dysfunction, so that he can help you? All you got to do is look at the original plan. If that was God's plan for you, then guess what? We would have seen that from the very beginning of creation. We messed that up. Not God. Well, I need to move along. So don't let your experiences fool you and thereby convince yourself that your identity is the sum total of your past experiences apart from God. If God intended for your experiences to forge your identity... He would not have provided you a path to take on a new one in Christ. I'm going to say that again. If God intended for your experiences to forge your identity, he would not have provided us a path to take on a new one, a new identity in Christ. He'd leave you there. 
Thank God for grace. I know I'm messing with your thinking, man. Listen, this is messing with my thinking. But that's good. Because it's the truth that sets you free. Amen? The second thing I want to leave you with here today is that your identity is made clear in God's image. Now listen, at this point in his life, Moses was a man living on the run. He was running from his past. He was running from his fears. He was running from his failures. Moses was so far removed from his identity that he had settled for living in seclusion as a shepherd. You got to understand where this, get, where this guy came from. This guy was in the palace. He was a Hebrew accepted by Egyptians who detested Hebrews. And he wasn't just accepted. This guy was in the royal line to Pharaoh's throne. You got to see that this guy was on a fast track to great things. God had great purposes. But Moses took some things into his own hand. He kills a man trying to defend him, trying to get ahead of God's plan. And then he ends up on the run in life. And after 40 years in hiding, Moses finds himself encountering God as he hears him call his name. And his response was, here I am. Here I am. And those words were full of what he believed to be the truth. Those words were full of brokenness. They were full of unfulfilled potential. They were full of rejection and doubt and loneliness and loss. And this is all evident by his efforts to convince God to bypass him. To convince God that he was not who God says he was. And upon hearing that he was God's choice, here's what Moses says. Who am I that I should go to Egypt on your behalf? Hmm. You know what God was literally doing with Moses? He was saying, I'm going to send you to Egypt. Now, if you just read the text in Exodus 3, God says, I am going to deliver Israel out of bondage. But you don't see God say, okay, I'm going to leave the throne and I'm going. God says, I'm going to go, but I'm sending you. You know why that's an important point? Because Moses was going instead of God. What I'm saying is this. Moses was going with the full authority, with the full identity, with the full power and anointing and calling and backing. And when he spoke, it was as if God was speaking. Don't you know that as he is, so are you in this world right now? Don't you know that the scripture says that you are an ambassador? That you come, that where you go, you walk with the same authority, the same anointing, the same calling, the same power, the same backing, the same truth. So Moses says, who am I that I should go to Egypt on your behalf? But what I love is that God was unmoved by this. It's the reason why when Moses approached God, God told him, take your sandals off, for the ground that you are on is holy. Now when God told him to take off his sandals, the sandals on his feet, the Hebrew, the Hebrew word there reveals, it indicates, it's a word that was used, yes, to take off your sandals, but it also alludes to something that was done when you would 
uh, let go of one uh, place of occupancy in, other, in, in order to accept a new place, to take dominion somewhere else. So here's what it would look like. You and I are being, we're in, we're in covenant. And in order for me to step into that new place, that new land, those new things, I would take my shoe off and I would throw it on the floor. I would take my sandals. And what it was an indication of was, was this. I'm taking off where I've been to step into where I'm going. And so you got to understand something. That like Moses, you must proceed in life according to who God says he is in your life as opposed to who you were conditioned to believe you are. You might say, I'm weak. God says, when you are weak, I am strong. You might say, I'm small and incapable. God says, I am your mighty fortress. I am your high tower. With me, all things are possible. You might say, I'm not qualified. God says, I chose you to confound the, the wise. You might say, I'm afraid. God says, fear not. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Colossians 3, verse 3 says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, I'm going to tell you why that's important. What, what do you see here? Anybody tell me what I got in my hand? See that? What is it? A penny, right? So if I said, man, I got a gift for you, and I gave you a penny, would that mean much to you? Yeah, yeah. Come on, be honest. <laughs> that passes cheap. <laughs> penny, you're going to bless me and give me a penny. <laughs> I want you to see something here. The word hidden here, I'm going to read the scripture to you again. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That word hidden there means to conceal or escape notice. And what I want you to consider is this, in light of your, your, your identity becoming clear in light of God's image, that God doesn't see your past and the flaws you see, according to this scripture. Instead, God sees the complete work that you have become, that you are right now in Christ. God doesn't see your weakness. He sees the strength of Christ residing in you. God doesn't see your impossibilities. He only sees the possible through you. And so, back to the penny. Back to the penny. Here's how we sometimes treat the word of God and the truth. We see it like a penny. It's small and invaluable. But you don't understand what I've been through, so what you've been through is worth more than what Christ did for you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But you don't understand how, how I hurt. Well, why don't you let go of your hurt and take on the healing that's yours. Take those shoes off and step into the new that has come. And so here's what we do. We treat the word of God as so invaluable and in that depreciation of the truth, what we do is this. See, when, when I'm looking at this penny from here, I can see you, brother. But we, we become so, so up close and personal and familiar with what is a lie that we focus in on it so much that it begins to block out the truth. Are you getting where I'm coming from? You know what you need to do with these lies? Get rid of them. Chuck them. You don't need it.
See, when you take it out of your view, you'll discover who you really are and what's possible in Christ. And the last point that I want to leave you here with is this. It's that a proper view of your identity paves the way for the true life that you are intended for. I'm going to say that again. A proper view of your identity paves the way for the true life that you are intended for. Listen, prior to this point, Moses had been living a lie. A lie. You know the thing about lies is, I mean, he was taking care of sheep. What's wrong with taking care of sheep? I'll tell you what's wrong with living a lie like Moses was. You miss what God intended for you. That's where Moses was. And so prior to this moment, Moses had been living a lie. Such was his deception that Moses was living an unfulfilled life until God revealed to him the truth. And it started with, Moses, you're focused on who you are, and I'm telling you who I am, and you're to walk in that. When God says, tell him I am that I am has sent you, let me ask you, what are you lacking? Because whatever you're trying to get fulfillment in that's falling far short in your life right now, God is saying to you, I am what you're really looking for. Whatever you're struggling with and you're fighting for, you're missing the point. God's saying, I am your deliverer. I am your healer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am all that you need. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, I'm reading from the Message Bible. It says, you groped your way through murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. I want to leave you with this thought as we stand and come to a close here today. And for those joining us online, I want you to lift your heart with us unto the King of Kings. I want you to consider the truth in God's word. And I want you to go back to that question that we started with. Who do you believe that you are? Who do you believe you are? God says, you are all that I have destined you to be. God calls you holy. Listen, somebody needs to hear that today. Because you're doing a better job than the devil because you're beating yourself up constantly. You don't need the devil to accuse you. You accuse yourself. And God is saying, be free. But in order to be free, you have to know this truth. I call you chosen. I call you a royal priesthood. I call you a part of a holy nation. Get on with it. You're out in the open. You're in the light. Walk, walk according to what is right and true and good.
according to God's word. Amen. Amen. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we lift our hands, but most importantly, Lord, we lift our hearts. Father, the place of belief is so important to you, O oh God. And it's there that you are depositing truth in us today. And so, Lord, I thank you, O oh God, that today, Lord, in the hearing of your word, that you're enlightening our eyes and our understanding. Father, I pray, O oh God, that where we are weak, Lord, that strength is released today. I believe, Father, that today in the hearing of your word, you are building us as your people. You're showing us the truth, O oh God, and you're defining a new path for us, O oh God. And so today we say, I'm getting on with it. I'm out in the open. The lights are on and I see the truth. And I will not live according to a lie any longer. Man, if that's your prayer, you just need to thank God right here, right now. Just thank God right here, right now. It's possible that there's someone who's here with us or you're watching online. And today, as you're hearing the truth, man, it's just challenging you. And what you're realizing is that you have bought a lie. But let me tell you a greater truth. God bought, God bought your life with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He looked past your imperfections and he sees who you are. He doesn't see you according to the flesh. He sees you according to what he did in Jesus Christ. You may have made mistakes, but your mistakes don't disqualify you. You may have deviated from the truth, but that does not mean that you can't live freely in the kingdom of God. You may have fallen short. You may be going wayward at times, but God says just come back to this one simple truth. I paid the ultimate price for your sin and you don't owe me anything. The only thing that you have to do is stay right here with me. Don't go back to that place. Don't put those shoes back on. You're stepping into new ground. If you believe that with us today, then pray this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you love me that you died for me, that you rose, and that you paid the price for me. And so today I declare that you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you are my God. Come on now, if you prayed that, we're celebrating the goodness of God in your life. You have now stepped in from the darkness into the light. We're celebrating Jesus Christ and all that he's done. Now, Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.